0: Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa. If you're new here, this is a podcast geared towards women who want to feel healthy, look good, and stay organized. We tend to lean a little bit crunchy, but want to stay modern and pulled together at the same time. We talk a lot about planning, beauty, wellness, hobbies, and everything in between. We're real women doing our best to live well anyway in the midst of life's chaos. I'm so glad you're here. And today's episode I feel like is so Valuable. I have on Dr. Mary Claire Haver today, and she just came out with the book The Galveston Diet, which is really more of a lifestyle that helps you use nutrition to tame your hormonal symptoms. Can I get an amen? Now, a lot of this information is geared towards people like myself who are closer to perimenopause, menopause, You know, and I know there are a lot of you out there who are not to this stage yet. You're like, I'm just having babies and, you know, whatever. But I have always loved listening to podcasts of people who are a few steps ahead of me in life and gathering as much information as I can from them before I actually get to that stage. So I would say don't shy away from this episode if you feel like, well, I'm just not in that life stage yet, because guess what? (laughs) You will be. And it's going to come faster than you ever thought it possibly could. (laughs) I know that I am feeling that myself. So, I mean, even for me personally, I'm on the cusp of turning 39 in a few months. And in this last year, I have experienced a hot flash for the first time, and it was awful. I think I've mentioned that on the episode. I've had night sweats. I've had all kinds of fluctuations in the way I feel like my body is dealing with things. And so I was so excited to get Mary Claire on the episode. I've been watching her on Instagram for quite a while now. I love the information that she puts out there. I think that this diet is really solid. And as she talks about in the episode, it's not a diet, as in to just lose weight. This is a way of eating. lifestyle to help us to get things kind of regulated in our systems. And because I'm so excited about this and Katie is also so excited about this, we are going to start this diet together as a community in early February. So if you want all the latest information on when we are going to be doing that and all of that good stuff, you're going to want to do a couple of things. You're going to want to be in our Facebook group. So facebook.com slash groups slash live well anyway. And that is where we are going to make sure we are talking about things and really doing it all together. And you're also going to want to make sure that you're signed up to the newsletter because that's where I'm going to make all the announcements about when the dates are and what's going on with us doing this diet together. We believe it's going to start in the first or second week of February. So you're going to want to get your hands on the book as soon as possible. I've got links in today's show notes and just remember anytime. Time you use one of our links it helps support the show so Thank you so much for doing that. But I've got links in today's episode to get to the book so that you can have your book on hand as we are starting this lifestyle together. I would love to have you be a part of the community that is doing this. I think it's going to be so good for all of us. But let's get into this episode where you can hear more from Dr. Mary Claire Haver about how she even came up with this, kind of the disparity in how much research goes into this part of life for women, and what we can be doing to find actual relief from these frustrating symptoms. All right. So without further ado, so without further ado, let's talk about the Galveston diet with Dr. Mary Claire Haver. Welcome Dr. Haver. I am so excited to have you here today. You have no idea. I followed you for quite a while. So getting to have you on the show was like, ah, yeah, no brainer. Yes, yes, yes. When I responded to that email. So thank you so much for coming on.
1: You're so welcome. I'm so happy to be here
0: well i just think that you hit on this area that i think it's starting to come to light a little bit more in the last couple of years but it is definitely not in the mainstream yet of women understanding that we there's been a terrible injustice as far as women's health is concerned there's Mm -hmm. such a lack of research. There's such a lack of help from most of our OBGYNs as far as how to deal with perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. The information isn't out there. A lot of them don't know what to do about it. And so you are like a breath of fresh air in this space for women who are feeling sort of crazy and are like, oh, this is just supposed to be normal now? I, I oh. feel
1: like, you know, the, so the the feedback that I'm getting is that it's just the validation of it all. Yeah. Just the, somebody finally saying, you're not crazy. This is happening, you know, and here's some lifestyle changes that might be helpful for you. Check it out. Yeah, you Yeah. Know?
0: Well, because that's the other big misnomer of all of this, I think, is that we've just been led to believe that, well, this is just how it goes. But right. like you've said, if this were a problem that men were having- That would have never been an acceptable answer. Like they would have found something to do about it.
1: You know, I value my training in obstetrics and gynecology. I learned some really important stuff. I was an excellent obstetrician. I could deliver a baby like nobody's business. You know, I could do C-sections, surgical training. I, you know, we dabbled in oncology and pediatric oncology and all these things. We touched on menopause we touched on menopause, but we didn't have a menopause clinic or like real life, real time with real menopausal patients where we were learning the nuances and how the disease, you know, how the, the, the state will affect women in different ways. None of that, none of that was covered. And when you look at the money spent on research in women's health, you know, just a tiny fraction, less than 10% goes to menopause, though. This is, this process affects a hundred percent of us if we live long enough and, we can absolutely intervene and start making changes that will improve your quality of life and your health outcomes in the future. Yeah. And so, and it literally did not click for me, sadly, sadly, because if 20 years ago, I would have told you, I know everything about menopause. I'm an expert. I'm great. The end. Yeah, And now, now that I'm a menopausal woman and physician and realize that there is a tremendous gap And the training and education and recognition, both, you know, what's happening and how we treat and train medical professionals to take care of women in this stage of life, and in how society views this, you know, part of our lives and how we're valued as human beings. I mean, it's all just kind of this this worst case scenario, perfect storm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like you're saying the menopause part of it, but also the nutritional part of it. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that that piece is so ignored by the medical system in right. general. I mean, you yeah. go to the hospital. Nutrition really, like, courses hospital. are not
1: included in most yeah. medical school curriculums or pre-med curriculums. Um, it's you back, you know, it's just not, you go into become a registered dietitian if you go that route, you know, or get a PhD or, you know, and then go into research. But, it's changing. There are full yeah. school schools. Tulane University is one that's kind of spearheading. Um, they're calling it culinary medicine. I got culinary medicine certified from Tulane. So, you know, it's it's happening, but gosh, yeah. we've got a long way to go.
0: Yeah. And that's why I think something like what you have put out is so groundbreaking because not only is it validating that, oh my goodness, no, this is yes, what you're going through is normal, but there's more that we can do about it. And it's also just, it comes down to a lot of lifestyle things that you can change and feel better. And so, yeah, I'm just so excited. But I, okay, I want to dive into the book a little bit because okay. I've listened to the audiobook, I have the hard copy book. So I have it to <laughs> reference for all of the recipes and all the stuff. And I literally got, I don't know, maybe three minutes into the introduction of the audiobook. And I shut it off. And I immediately called one of my very best friends. She comes on the podcast all the time. Her name is Katie. So people will be familiar with her. I was like, oh, my gosh, go get this right now. You are going to love this. She used to be a nurse. She's like she loves the science of all of the stuff. And she's done like keto and stuff before. And She was like, I'm addicted. I'm starting today. Like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And so we're so excited about it that we're actually going to start doing this with the Live Well Anyway community. In a couple of weeks, at the beginning of February, welcoming other women to like get on board with us. Do this I will because- come back? I would oh, love to do we, a Zoom or we yeah, would yeah, get me involved. Love that that would we be would amazing. Love, love, love that. Uh, Katie was actually asking, like, could do you think she'd come for a follow up? Can we like do it for a couple of weeks and then talk to her again? Absolutely. Because I think there are a lot of women in the Live Well Anyway community who are in those earlier ages of having the babies and all of that, but there's also a lot of us who are getting to that point where we have a little bit older kids and our bodies are starting to change and this is like i just feel like it's coming at that perfect time before you're so far into it that it's it's hard to know what you like you're you're backpedaling trying to get on top of everything but at mm-hmm. this point i'm like for the probably the past year i've been noticing some real differences in mm-hmm. how my body is functioning and so it feels like perfect timing to be like okay let's not mess around. It's <laughs> like figured it out now. So 10 years from now, I'm not
1: a total suffering. basket case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, you're minimizing your suffering as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you talk about that a lot in the book that that mm-hmm. was how, and you've mentioned already that, that your own enlightenment came from mm-hmm. you experiencing the symptoms and being like, wait, a minute. So do you want to just talk about that a little bit? Sure. Like how that sure. developed for you, which is great because you were a doctor, so you could get into all of the science <laughs> and like do the research for us.
1: So I'm 54 and I've been menopausal. it's hard for me to pinpoint when it actually happened. Um, but for at least four years. So at least since 50. Okay. And I um was in my 40s. So you know, the first two decades of my practice of OBGYN, I was um, kind of a dual uh, educator plus practitioner. So we had a bustling kind of private practice within the university I was employed at. I delivered, you know, all the nurses and the researchers. It was a big academic institution. I took care of everybody who worked at the hospital and our community, which was great, you know? And as I was aging, my patients were aging with me, right? We all had babies together. And then, and so I was just seeing this, over and over and over again, at the same time, I had no weight issues. Like nothing had changed in my body yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, they would come in and be like, look, Hey, Mary Claire, I've done nothing different. You know, they call me by my first name. I don't care. And, um, we live in the small town, you know, so, um, I'm not doing anything different. I'm working out, I'm eating healthy. What we all kind of defined as healthy, you know, what what worked for you in your your early thirties and um, was healthy because you look good. And so, um, but you know, something's happening. My body's changing. Body composition was changing, meaning where and how they were storing fat was changing. Sleep was becoming disrupted, joint pain, changes in hair, changes in skin, you know, all these kinds of Seemingly unrelated things were happening, you know, Mm -hmm. periods may not be irregular yet, or um, you may not have noticed any hot flashes or anything yet, but something was happening. And, you know, there was when I was in training in medical school, and I am not proud to say this, but I was part of this culture. When women would come in with this constellation of symptoms and it was fatigue, brain fog, you know, night, you know no, not the obvious symptoms of menopause, but all the fringe stuff, right? Yeah. And they were typically women in their late thirties, forties, maybe early fifties. And they'd come in with these, you know, just vague complaints immediately that it's all in her head mantra would kick in to mm-hmm. us and we call them WWs. Not, we never wrote it on a chart. I've never heard a sure. professor say it, but it was just kind of a slang that we used amongst trainees and residents and stuff. And WW was a whiny woman. Wow. If she was Caucasian, it was a whiny white woman, WWW. And you immediately, you get a little note saying, you look at her problems and you take a deep breath, steal yourself before you walked into the exam room because you sure. knew she was just whiny. And, and I think back of how I participated in that and it's horrible. And it took me, sadly, it's, it's, you know, but at least I'm here to admit it. Yeah. uh, Going through my own journey to realize I was a whiny woman. woman, And this is, this, this is happening. So I go back to the books. And I'm reading in the new, you know, the latest research journals, journals, and no one's really talking about, oh, life is more stressful at this time. Oh, um, do some self-care. Oh, maybe your marriage isn't going. I'm like, no, these are physiologic symptoms that are being categorically dismissed in these women as psychological issues Mm -hmm. and not what it probably is, which is perimenopause and menopause. So that was kind of like the light bulb moment for me. Um, also, which was cosmetically distressing to me was the weight gain. (laughs) And so having been kind of a thin person, most of my adult life outside of pregnancy, I suddenly was having belly fat, like just this gut coming out of nowhere. And I would, my patients were saying the same thing. They would shake their bellies at me. What is this? And I would say calories in calories out because that's all I knew. Yeah. And that's what my professors told me had to work and what every social media influencer was saying had to work. And you know, that if you had a weight problem, it was because you were lazy and you weren't trying hard enough or you let life get in the way and whatever, you know, now obesity medicine, modern obesity medicine has completely disproved all of that, right? Yeah. That there's multiple factors that affect our hunger and our satiety and how and where we store fat and all those things. But, you know, like me figuring out that there was a hormonal, like sex hormone component to this. From reading, you know, just digging, 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 rabbit hole after rabbit hole of research, and me being like, no, I don't know of anyone yet that's kind of put this together. Like, what can I do for me? Okay, so calories in, calories out wasn't working for me. I was starving myself. I was down to 900 calories a day, doing two days at the gym, and it wasn't working. Yeah, and I realized I was getting into this crazy mindset. I would get up to pee, of course, you know, menopause in the middle of the night, and weigh myself. Wow. After I emptied my bladder. Like, that's how bad it was. And so it was affecting my relationship, my self-image. Da, da, da. And finally, like my husband had to have a come to Jesus with me about, you're a scientist. I know this is really bothering you, but you know what you keep telling the kids, if what you're doing is not working, we need to change what we're doing to get yeah. the outcome we want. And he kind of parroted my words back to me. And that's when I picked up the phone and my frustration and type A personality and called the PhD nutritionist at the university I was working at and said, what the hell, excuse my language, is going (laughs) on? And they're like, wait, Something to do with inflammation. We know this is a phenomenon that's happening now that we have these scanners that can do visceral fat. You know, I learned all about visceral fat, the difference between visceral and subcutaneous, and the metabolic differences, and it just absolutely blew my mind. And I'm yeah. like, wait, hey, wait, calories don't really matter that much. Like, I mean, I'm not negating calories are important. Sure, course, five thousand calories a day, you're gonna you're gonna put on. Yeah, fat. but um, but but what's more important that controls like cortisol and insulin and leptin and ghrelin and and PPY and, you know, is the quality of our nutrition. Yeah. So it just really rocked my world. And so that's kind of how the idea of the program was born. Literally. I just wanted to stop getting a tummy. (laughs) Yeah. And then I told my patients about it and then they started trying it. And then I shared it on social media and it exploded. And so then I was having like thousands of people on social media asking me. And so then I got some savvy business advice that I needed to give it a name. I needed to trademark it and consider making this a book or a business or something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that's what I did. One thing I would do different. The only real thing, well, there, I made a million mistakes, of course, but I never would have called it a diet. In medicine, I knew that's what you were going to say. Medicine, and My friend Katie was like, she's upset about it being called diet. So in medicine, a diet, it's not like, are you on a diet? It's what is your diet? Yes. A diet is a pattern of eating. Like the Mediterranean diet has nothing to do with bad dieting. It's all about a pattern of eating and of a people, you know, in a region that eat a certain diet, Yeah, you know? And so I thought nothing of calling it a diet because that's a medical thing and I was giving it to my patients. Yeah. And then, Then you become big on social media and like culture and toxic diet culture and all the things. And like, people have turned their nose up at the book simply because of the name. Yeah. So I would have called it something different. Because it, 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 yeah, I I
0: agree because that makes it sound like a fad or just like a a one-time thing. They have
1: hid the book from their daughters because they didn't want their daughters to see their mothers reading a diet book. Oh. And that really hit home for me. Yeah. They're trying to keep their kids away from toxic diet culture, but here's Marie. Yeah. And so it's a lifestyle, you know, which is what a medical diet is. And so that's the one thing I would do. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I love that because you do have like the meal plans that walk you through the four weeks of adjusting to right. living this lifestyle, but it is an overall lifestyle, which I think you do a really good job of emphasizing in the book. When you're mm-hmm. listening to it or you're reading it, you definitely don't think like, oh, this is just a you know drop pounds gimmick. This is a way of getting your body back in balance, really. I mean, yes, there are the weight benefits for sure, which is something right. I actually want to ask about because for like me personally, I don't struggle with weight. If anything, mm-hmm. I can go the opposite direction when I'm stressed and whatnot, not to say that I'm not going right, to end up right. packing but on pounds. Yeah, that doesn't you know. make you
1: healthy, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. Absolutely. Do not carry a lot of subcutaneous fat. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And so
0: my question is, and like my friend Katie, her mom is in her 70s now, but definitely like never had hormone replacement therapy, anything like that, has osteoporosis really badly. Mm-hmm. And she's going like, what do I do now? But she's also um, tends to be very, very thin. And so for women who are not trying to lose weight with this lifestyle, intermittent fasting is a big part of it. Like, how do you figure that in for women who that's not a big part of the motivation?
1: Right. Part of the book is what we, what we, you know, behind the scenes call our maintenance plan. Mm -hmm. And so that is not for people who have a lot of fat to lose. That is just for people looking to live a healthier lifestyle. Any, you know, and fasting is not for everyone. People with eating disorders, it might trigger it. People who have hypoglycemia, it's not going to work for you, you know, and you don't have to do the 16 hour fast to get some of the benefits, you know, mm-hmm. and the way I counsel people with fasting is you really want to give yourself a six week window to become fasting adapted. And you're going to find that magical time frame that works for you. We all fast when we sleep. Yeah. So yeah. go 10 to 12 hours without food, just not even thinking about it. That's normal. Yeah you know, and, and, and average. And so just adding on an hour here and there can really help get you some of the benefits. I don't recommend fasting for weight loss. It's not a great way to lose weight. There are multiple studies, new studies have come out that show there's really no benefit there for long-term weight loss because you can eat a lot of unhealthy things and sabotage yourself in your yeah. eating. Room. Yeah, that's true. Um, but what fasting does do is, you know, lower inflammation. Mm-hmm and promote autography and help cells turn over faster. Like there are some anti-inflammatory benefits and long-term health benefits of fasting, which is why I recommend it.
0: Okay. So it would be safe for her to be practicing that. It's just, just a matter of kind of like to that window, adapting to how it. how
1: she's doing, because for some people, they may struggle getting enough nutrition in that window. I mean, whatever your window is, you have got to make sure you are getting adequate nutrition in yeah. that window. Well, and I mean, that's- You're, you're going to self-sabotage.
0: Yeah. And I love that about your eating plan that you have in here because it's so well thought out and it really tells you where I feel like a lot of other diets or plans that you're on, they're just like, yeah, eat these things and you'll be good to go. But when you go through and say, like, these are your macros, this is how much fiber, this is how much fat, this is like, this is exactly what you're getting out of this, it helps you to not only just be following a plan, but become a more educated person about what you're doing with your body so you can continue to live that way over time. Because if you don't actually know why you're eating what you're eating, then how do you continue to replicate that on, in an ongoing basis?
1: I, um, you know, to me, the book is just a way, you know, the program was online, which was most of the information in the book, um, since 2018. But, you know, the book is just a way for me to share what I've learned with Mm -hmm. people you know, so that they can hopefully utilize some of these principles to be healthier and live a longer, more productive life.
0: Okay, ladies, I love candles. I love the ambiance they give and especially during this kind of dreary season where the holidays are over and you still want a little bit of that hoogah to just make everything feel a little bit nicer and cozier while we're trying to get through the end of winter. But sadly, I pretty much gave up burning candles years ago because of all of the toxins they contained. Not only were a lot of the waxes really bad for the air quality in my house, but the fragrances are also terrible for us. Synthetic fragrance can contain up to 3,000 different chemicals, some of which are endocrine disruptors, so hello, hormonal problems, and respiratory irritants. Some even contain chemicals that are known carcinogens. And the Fair Packaging and Labeling Act gives fragrance manufacturers a trade secret status, so they legally do not have to share their ingredients with you, making It's really hard to find clean options of things that contain fragrances. But if you're like me and you really don't want to give up your candles forever, I have a swap for you. Introducing Fontana Candle Company. I Love Fontana Candle Company for their 100% natural and independently certified non-toxic candles, wax melts, and room sprays. They use only pure beeswax, which has also been found to have all sorts of other benefits, coconut oil, and essential oils in their candles, and they put all of their ingredients right on the label. Fontana was the first candle to be certified non-toxic by Made Safe. I love that they have really great scents, including seasonal ones like cinnamon oil, orange clove, peppermint twist, spiced latte, and you can discover your favorite non-toxic scent by heading over to their website. So go to fontanacandlecompany.com and use the code livewell for 15% off your order. That's F-O-N-T-A-N-A candlecompany.com and use my code livewell for 15% off your order. And you really emphasize the macros and the anti-inflammatory foods mm-hmm. and the fiber and all those things. Would you just kind of do like a glossary version? Obviously, people can get the sure, book and like sure. get the, so the goods. There's good.
1: um, but as far as like the nuts and bolts of what the Gallison Diet is about, it's it, there's three components, three three actions what we talk about. One is utilizing fasting for health okay mm-hmm. go into a lot of the science behind fasting yeah. I list articles I talk about the latest research you know for women in menopause remember most of the research that I utilize is done for us done for yeah. women done for women in midlife yeah and I really kind of leave to the side if they've only studied 25 year old male athletes I really don't pay attention to that data. Yeah. it's not going to work for a 39 year old woman yeah. you know um, more than likely we are not little men no. <laughs> So, um, so I try to stick to those articles. Uh, the second component, the second action is learning all about inflammation and nutrition foods that naturally fight inflammation and why I go Mm -hmm. through the chemical, the science of that, and then foods that we know are pro-inflammatory. And I'm not talking about dairy or gluten. Those may be inflammatory for you. Those, those, that kind of depends on your personal makeup. I'm talking about artificial colors, artificial flavors, you know, not that you never are going to have a sucker cookie or or whatever, but you know, like why we should probably limit some of these additives and ingredients and what they can do to our gut. And then the last part is what I call fuel refocusing, where we talk about macro and micronutrients, you know, Mm -hmm. in the United States on the way most American women typically eat, um, we're not getting enough protein. We're not getting enough magnesium. We're not getting even half the amount of fiber that we should every day. Mm-hmm. So I really do a deep dive into some of those key nutrients where you can find them in foods, you know, you give you a list of what foods are rich in this, you know, and how to up those levels naturally and what a deficiency could do. Also in that section, I have a whole hormone section. I touch on sex hormones, of course, yeah. um, needing estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, sure. but really I want people to understand the gut hormones, the you know, cortisol and insulin and leptin and ghrelin and, and realize in it uh, people are telling me just so much stuff was clicking in my head. Yeah. And then how the Galveston diet eating amongst these principles can make those hormones work for you. Yeah. And how if those hormones are out of balance, I hate using balance because that's a marketing term, but sure those hormones are at levels, it's gonna drive you to eat. They're obesogenic. Yeah and so you know, and that's why you know the explosion of GLP one. I I touch on GLP one. You know the incretins are all. Everyone every day asks me about those. You know the Manjuros and the um, Ozempics and all that stuff. You know I understand chemically how they work and how you can kind of hack your nutrition to make your body make its own. So yeah, um, but yeah. not about those medications for an obese, a lifelong obesity. These medications are a miracle.
0: Yeah, so, but I think there's so much we can be doing to be yes. Yeah.
1: So when yeah. you know when I talk about. Taking care of your body in perimenopause, you know this phase of our lives. I talk about it in terms of a toolkit, and I think most obesity medicine specialists talk about obesity medicine as a toolkit as well. You know, care—it's like nutrition, exercise, stress relief, da da da, medications. And I approach midlife the same way. Nutrition is the first thing in our toolkit. Exercise is second, both resistance and. Cardio. Okay. Yeah. We don't work out to be skinny. We work out to be strong, strong heart, yes. strong bones, strong muscles. Okay? Which is
0: something you point out in the book. And my mom has also been talking about a ton lately. She's 62. And so she's really been on this, but the importance of strength training to yes. actually help our bones to fight osteoporosis. Like, I would have never thought of that, Yeah, but the you really a little
1: You know, sarcopenia and osteoporosis go hand in hand. And so when I see someone and in my clinic, I have one of these incredible monitors where I can measure muscle mass and visceral fat and subcutaneous fat and all this stuff. So I'm really able to give patients a much more powerful picture than just the sure. number on the screen, you know, yeah. and, and talk about health and, and that. So when, and now I'm coming from a place of low muscle mass, okay. Mm-hmm. I've genetically had it my whole life. It's a constant fight for me. And I know if I don't continue to work on this, if I'm not consistent with my resistance training and trying and fighting to keep my muscles and bones strong, I will fall and break at 70 and have a 50% chance of death in five years. Yeah. And so after, after a hip fracture. And so, I mean, these are real numbers, real statistics, and that's something I'm at risk for. So of course I'm all over it, you know? Sure. So but to, I'm I not think going that a lot of people to have to be skinny. Yeah. I used to. That was yeah. my whole mindset back in the day. Sure. I am going so I don't fall and break. Yeah. Literally today, we were squatting across the dance floor and in my little gym with our, I have a class I go to, and I was singing to the song, but I was like, I don't want sarcopenia. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to fall and break. I mean, <laughs> there you go. It's class, and they were cracking up. Well, and I think that
0: it's encouraging to hear that because I think a lot of times you hear like, oh, you can get osteoporosis when you're old. If you haven't drank enough milk, then you're just kind of out of luck. But it's like, no, there are things that we can be doing to help lower our chances of these things happening. Something as simple as doing resistance training and not just there's I feel like there's been such a focus on cardio, you know, especially for a child of the 80s or whatever, you know, like that's all it was, you know, but there's so much more to it than, than that. And it can make a huge difference in what your later your years long-term health. look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing another piece of that toolbox that you would talk about is hormone replacement therapy, right. which you hit on a little bit in the book.
1: I touch on it in the book. I actually, j- we are almost done negotiating for a second book, which is going to be more oh. of a full menopause book. Yeah. Okay. Where That's I will exciting. A deep dive into what I, the toolkit, you know, yeah. uh, you know, nutrition, we covered. I'll touch on that in the next book, but really doing a very deep dive into hormone replacement therapy, non-pharmacologic options, non-hormonal options for, you know, treatment of different symptoms. Like, you know, you basically something like, I can't say this, but you know, I can't use it, but what to expect when you're not expecting, sure. did that, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like yeah. that type of a, a guide for women. Mm-hmm. A reference guide, like here's your Bible, your menopause Bible. You know, here, yeah. Happy 35th birthday, yeah. (laughs) Read (laughs) this, this. yeah, for sure. And and, uh, you know, with an emphasis on, we're all going to go through it. Yeah, it is a natural process, Mm -hmm. but suffering is not okay. Yeah. And
0: And there there are are, things
1: that we can do across the spectrum of of care, including pharmacology, that can improve our quality of life and make us healthier as we get older. Can we have the other OBGYNs read this book? <laughs> it's like when I went into you know, mine,
0: I asked specifically, "Can I have like my hormone levels checked? I would like to look into the possibility of hormone replacement therapy." And they kind of freaked out. I talked to two different people, and they were like, "There's not really a way to get a good read on hormones because your hormones are different every day of the month." And that, they're right. yeah, and hormones also like hormone replacement therapy is known for giving people cancer. And
1: so this is not a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) So they haven't kept up with the latest research and not to knock my profession. We're busy.
0: Sure. Sure. Maybe.
1: I mean, and menopause doesn't make the hospital much money. Sure. And so, and menopause care is complicated and it takes a long time and it's a lot of trial and error to get the right thing for your patient. And so, you know, a lot of Docs don't have the training. We didn't, we weren't trained and educated in this other than just the barest, barest minimum. And they haven't been able to keep up with the latest reiteration of the studies that have basically shown that for most, the vast majority of women, the risk of cancer is very small. Actually, a lot of cancers, the risk is lower with hormone replacement therapy, that there is a window of opportunity for HRT that closes. So if you miss your window, HRT might even be harmful as you get older, if you start too late. And so, you know, all of that stuff is really kind of new, groundbreaking thought leader information and just your basic reproductive special. It's just so busy and so yeah. overworked and overscheduled because of the hospital systems and, and their employers. It's not their fault, you know. Yeah. So it's this is a systemic thing from the ground yeah. up that we need to change
0: but since that is the case they are so busy a lot of them haven't kept up the re- with the research and they don't even know where to begin to give you well yeah. nutrition or hormone hormone replacement therapy where do we
1: go to try so to get that kind of help a couple of resources um on our website at galvestondiet.com i have you know cobbled together a list of providers that were recommended from my followers so what okay. my, what we do is we get a testimonial and they're like i had great care that she did this blah, 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 whatever we go to this person's website, make sure that that provider is a legit, you know, mm-hmm, provider, sure. and then we just post it. And so you can go and sort by your area. You know, it's at the very bottom of our front page. You'll see recommended physicians. Okay. You can read the testimony. You'll see if there's someone in your area. We have a couple hundred on there. Okay. And, um, and then also the North American menopause society has beautiful resources for both education for, you know, followers and, um, they have a list of certified providers that you can maybe find someone on the list that may click. But again, in word of mouth. Ask. Yeah, yeah. You know, then always call ahead. If I, if you take nothing from this interview today, your followers should always ask before they even hit the door. Ask to speak to the nurse. Okay. Does this provider even discuss hormone replacement therapy? what percentage of menopausal perimenopausal patients do they have on some kind of hormone therapy? You Mm -hmm. know, it is absolutely reasonable for you to ask, do not waste your time, your copay, your money, you know, unless you know that this is going to be an option because not every woman is going to elect to get on hormones and that's fine, but every single woman deserves a conversation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think so. I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah to be to be able to feel like we have these options out there and someone who can help give us the information to be able to make those kinds of choices. Right. And like you were saying, there's that window that, you know, if you pass that window up, and I think that's another important thing that a lot of people don't realize is how early the perimenopause symptoms can start to be end. felt. I mean, right. so, say, I think you say in the book, like 35.
1: So the average age of menopause in the United States, at least is 51, but normal, is still the normal curve, right? That 10 to 90% sure. is about 45 to 55. Okay? okay. Now, um, perimenopause symptoms, the beginning of the decline of estrogen production in our ovaries, when things start going cattywampus, okay. Mm-hmm. Can begin the symptomatics can be felt seven to 10 years before that. Yeah. Okay. So it is completely reasonable for someone in their thirties to, some may right? and, this is a function of what's happening to them hormonally. Now, the problem, one of the pro- big problems, one lack of education and training, right? Sure. No recognition of perimenopause at all. Yeah. And I have had, you know, followers, students, patients be told by healthcare providers, perimenopause does not exist. Oh, lovely. <laughs> like, and, oh, so this I'm hot flash it. was just normal. So... um We can begin treatment in perimenopause, mostly for symptom alleviation, Mm -hmm. continuing that treatment, you know, through early menopause and menopause is where the health benefits really start kicking in, where the decrease in cardiovascular disease, the decrease in osteoporosis, the D you know, all of those things. Now we have sadly, and I, my, when I start talking about this, there's a whole generation of women who are like, what about me? Mm -hmm. I got, you know, I was never offered. I was told it would kill me. And here I am, and I'm no longer a candidate. And so we do a very long discussion about non-pharmacologic treatments, uh, non-pharmacologic health, you know, nutrition, diet, stress, all those things, but also other pharmacology that might be helpful by symptom symptom. You know, if you have osteoporosis, here are medications you can talk to your doctor about. If you have, you know, um, hot flashes still. Here are some things that can be helpful. You know, you have breast cancer. You would have been a candidate, but you've got, you know a contraindication. Sure. Here are things that we can do symptomatically. Here are things that you can do to improve your health long term.
0: Well, that's all incredibly encouraging to be like, okay, there are things um that we can I think it's also it's so important, like you're saying we're also biodiverse biodiverse. And exactly. so we all have different things. Now, with hormone replacement therapy, how does it differ? Well, I have a couple of questions around. Yeah, this. no, that's great. Like, how does it differ from birth control, which is obviously <laughs> giving you hormones, which I've always felt like a crazy person when I was younger and was <laughs> and, on it. And so, then,
1: yeah, no, okay, that's go ahead. That so valid question. So when we talk about hormonal contraception, most hormonal contraception, like 90 something percent of it is a combination of some kind of an estrogen and some kind of a progesterone okay testosterone mm-hmm. derivative um so that's your ortho novum and your tricyclics and your you know whatever yeah um we have 50 to 60 different like main categories of those on the market and as far as like an estrogen and a progestin what's in that versus what is in traditional hrt it's simply dosage differences. okay when we talk about Hormone replacement therapy. Um, what birth control is meant to do is to suppress ovulation. Okay. Sure. And there's a certain level of hormones that are needed to keep you from ovulating. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's somewhere around 20 micrograms of estrogen a day, is enough to tell the ovary, shut it down. Okay. Yeah. Um lower dose birth control pills can go down to to 10 mics, but that, that's pretty low. You'll have some escape ovulation. So pregnancy is not wanted. That is not your best bet. Yeah. Okay? That is a dosage that I will use in perimenopause when someone's still ovulating irregularly to try, you know, because in perimenopause, the goal usually is to suppress ovulation again to keep them out of the roller coaster of hormone changes that are happening. Because what used to be this in normal, you know, we still cycle, right? There's no yeah. balance of hormones. They're, they're moving, yeah, bumping, and moving every day. Okay. Yeah. Becomes this. Okay. On a downward, so just track.
0: more extreme. Exactly. Yeah.
1: The extremes become a lot higher and you can feel great for three or four months. And then you're whacked out for three or four months, you know, and it's very, very sporadic because of like the hypothalamus is feeding back to the pituitary. And then that talks to the ovaries and they get a burst. And then it's just, you know, a very complicated process in later perimenopause, where you're almost done and menopause, we can go down on the doses because we're not trying to suppress ovulation. We're just trying to give you back what you're missing. So okay. postmenopausal dosing. We can actually go a lot lower. And that that improves the safety profile as far as blood clots and all those other things. Now, as far as what kind of estrogens are out there, you will see so much misinformation, it will make your head spin. Yeah. What our ovaries used to make is before, you know, what our ovaries make made is something called estradiol. That is what we, you know, body identical, bioidentical is a marketing term, not a medical term. I never okay. call a doctor and talk about bioidentical. That's not a thing. Oh, okay. What that means is that it is chemically identical to what the ovaries made, okay? okay? So I'm willing to accept that term, all right? So I like to give patients in menopause what their ovaries used to make. It makes the most sense to me, okay? Sure. Um now, what's in most birth control pills is something called ethanyl estradiol. Okay. Which is a synthetic form, okay? So most women on birth control pills are taking synthetics. We have millions of women data safety years on birth control pills. We know exactly what they do to women. Okay? Okay. And as far as we can tell, no, no one has found that this particular form of estrogen versus that is any better, safer, or more efficacious. It might sound better, sure. um, but I. That being said, I do in menopause tend to stick to things very simple, you know, chemically identical to what the ovary made. Fortunately, we have FDA-approved, insurance-covered, very very cheap. If you don't have insurance options, like. $20, $30 a month Okay, that I tend to stick to, to prescribe the patients. I also stick to transdermal versus, mm, oral. okay. Okay. When we or take anything, orally food, medication, whatever it goes into our gut, right. goes into the small intestine, large intestine. You, everybody knows the path. Yeah. Those, the blood vessels that suck the nutrition out of there and suck all the juice out of the gut, go right to the liver for processing. That's called the portal vein. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is a 100% normal process when estrogen in that high, you know, it's high when you take it, right? Sure. It gets dissipated. When that bump of estrogen hits the liver, it can increase that clotting. Factor, okay. Clotting profile. So that is why we see about a seven out of 10,000 increased risk of a blood clot for someone taking an oral estrogen versus transdermal. Okay, Transdermal will negate that clotting risk. Interesting. So now I'm not talking about women with a known history of blood clots or a known sure, clotting sure. factor. I'm talking about just a basic woman taking a birth control pill, okay? And we don't test for those clotting factors routinely. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's why I stick to transdermal um, because right. it's got a better safety profile, and it's still really, really inexpensive. And oral is the cheapest, you know. Now, if she has a reaction to the glue on the on the patches or whatever, then we may have to try oral. Or the patch only comes up to a certain strength; she may need more. Mm-hmm. Then I'll have to swirl for that. But that's kind of my prescribing. You know, okay. Pre- if we need a progestin, if she has a uterus, mm-hmm. or, you know, so if you still have a uterus or, and if you have a Mirena IUD, that's good enough. If you have an IUD with progesterone, that's enough. Okay. You okay. don't need a secondary progesterone, or if you had a hysterectomy, you don't need a secondary progesterone. Okay. The problem if I just gave a woman estrogen with, her, with the uterus is that you have something called unopposed estrogen and those endometrial cells, the lining of your uterus just divide and divide and divide under the, that's what they do. You give them estrogen every month. Naturally in our cycle, we have a surge of progesterone mid cycle shed. Yeah. We clean out all the junk and we start fresh, right? Yeah when you don't get that progesterone, the cells keep dividing. And so you have run the risk of endometrial hyperplasia and cancer, which is why we recommend a progestin for women who are at risk for that happening. Okay. Um, and so the progesterone I usually give is an oral micronized progesterone and I recommend it at night. It can be helpful for sleep. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So- so in early perimenopause, I will quite often use a very low dose birth control pill, unless she needs contraception, then I'll go a little bit higher dose. Okay. Um, if she's had her tubes tied or her husband or her partner's had a vasectomy, or she's not sexually active. Then we can go lower. Um, but if, if a contraception is an added benefit, then I need to make sure I'm giving her enough so that sure. she won't get pregnant. <laughs> sure. So Yeah, absolutely. People get pregnant in perimenopause all yeah. the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. We've all seen father, the bride part Two.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, ladies, I
0: have a New Year's resolution for you that's easy to keep and you'll actually want to keep it. And yes, it's not too late to be setting out those New Year's resolutions. This one is to finally stop wearing uncomfortable bras. Can I get an amen? I know for me personally, I've been wanting to ditch the underwire for a while, but still find a bra that is supportive and going to do everything that I need it to do to get the girls where they're supposed to be. And that is why I'm so excited that Honey Love is sponsoring today's episode of the podcast. Honey Love has revolutionized the bra game with their crossover bra. You no longer have to deal with an uncomfortable underwire to get the kind of support that you're looking for. And hi, I'm a mom of four children that I've nursed. I need the support. But they've also thought of all of the little details with this bra, like using a smoothing fabric so you're not getting like bulges out the sides. You know what I mean? They've even gone so far as to make sure they put in like little mesh details and whatnot so that you actually feel kind of cute with what you've got on underneath your clothes. Even if nobody else is going to see it, you should feel confident about what you've got on under there and what it is doing for you. I absolutely love my crossover bra. It is so comfy. I've thrown out my other bras that I was wearing that I had been wanting to ditch for a while now, and this one has been such a great option to have all that support, but also be comfortable and feel like it looks nice on me. But it doesn't stop there. Honey Love has so much more than just bras. They have incredibly comfortable shapewear, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. Speaking of leggings, Honey Love's Legging 2.0 is another product that's making head waves. They hold you in without that too tight feeling and are compressive, cooling, and comfortable. So whether your New Year's resolution is to get up and active or spend more time at home lounging, these leggings are the go-to for an everyday look or a workout at the gym. So treat yourself to the best shapewear and bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com livewell live well with the code live well. So use the code live well at honeylove.com and you can get cinched and lifted all while staying comfortable. Honey love. This is another question, and maybe it's just a totally obvious answer. But because, like you said, our um hormonal levels are changing every day of the month. We talk about this a lot in the Live Well Anyway community, how like you can feel totally different. Your brain chemistry changes up to 20% over the course of the month. I mean, like it's we have a 28-day, you know, generally cycle. Does the hormone replacement therapy change throughout the month or does it stay? Do you just have one dosage that you take?
1: So we just do one dosage. Yeah. Okay. Um, some of the birth control pills that were made, the tricyclics were fluctuated the doses to be more like a woman, those have not been shown to really help anybody. Okay. <laughs> anything. Um, so one of the things that we do is just continuous dosing. One of the other big questions that I want to make sure your listeners understand because a lot of predatory there's a lot of predatory practitioners out there who mm-hmm. are and the miseducation and the misinformation and and forcing women into unnecessary testing and they're making a fortune off of all this stuff. Um perimenopause is a diagnosis of talking to your patient. You don't there's no blood, yeah. there's no saliva and there's no urine test that is going to diagnose perimenopause. Okay. It literally is talking to the patient. Paying attention to what she says, believing her. And then realize, and then I will do blood work because a lot of these things like hypothyroidism often presents similar symptoms, autoimmune disease. I mean, there's several disease states. So I will make sure I'm not missing anything with blood work, but in perimenopause, I am not checking hormone levels because one time blood test is not going to be diagnostic. Yeah. And so I just talk to her, make sure I'm not missing anything with other blood work, check nutrition labs, this is stuff I do in my clinic. Sure. And then I'm like, okay, let's talk about treatment. Are you up yeah. for it? You no, know, here are the risks. Here are the benefits. Here's what might happen. Da, 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 da. And the vast majority of my patients are very, very happy. Now it's a little trial and error. Sometimes Sure. we don't have therapeutic levels of estrogen that we try to reach because if my, I'm making up a number, but if my level's 50 and your level's 50, you could feel like on top of the world and I could still feel horrible. Yeah. So I'm like, how are you doing? i talk yeah. to him. Yeah. You know? Do you feel like we can go a little higher? So you're a little better, but we need more, you know? Yeah. Yes. Or she's like, mm, my breasts are sore, tender. I feel great, except I'm having these side effects. Let's back off a little bit. See mm-hmm. That's it. Okay.
0: Because this is something, you know, I, I try a lot of like natural things or adaptogens or that kind of thing. And I just recently I'm kind of going like, I hear a lot of other women saying, oh, this drink that I'm taking that has these adaptogens and everything, it makes me feel amazing. <laughs> and my ovarian cysts went away and I stopped getting hormonal headaches with my period. And it was amazing. I start taking it and I feel like I've become a crazy person. I'm a rage monster. Like nothing is fixed. Now I know we're all different, but has that been something you have seen? Have you, have you noticed like people taking adaptogens and having it affect their hormones or
1: do you know anything about that? we, We don't, we don't recommend adaptogens routinely, but I have had, you know, people on social media, you know, talk about things that they've done and tried and, you know or things like amberin and and other um supplements that really mm-hmm. really help them um but i don't kind of routinely recommend like you said we are biodiverse we all yeah. have our individual makeups you know i can eat dairy till the cows come home it does not affect me where yeah. somebody next door it's going to try to kill them you know yeah. and so and and that's that's okay. That's your bio makeup versus mine, you know. And yeah. my receptor status is very different than my sister's, you know. Yeah. And it just we have to recognize. And and what I get to do in my clinic is try to treat patients individually, and yeah. treat their individual needs. I don't have a cookie cutter blanket thing that I recommend as far as medications, pharmaceuticals, et cetera, or even even supplements. Okay.
0: Uh, so have yeah. you? This is another. I'm just a personal thing. So I found out last summer that I have significant ovarian cysts. Never had them before in my life. All of a sudden, last year I had my first hot flash. I've had night sweats and now I have these like massive ovarian cysts. Is that something that you see come up during like sort of this perimenopausal
1: time of life? So we definitely, you know, see an ovulatory dysfunction getting a lot worse in 30s, 40s, fifties, you know, okay. um, one of the hallmarks. So the process of perimenopause and menopause is basically destruction of the ovaries. Mm-hmm. Our bodies, you have this, um, infl- inflammatory process that starts happening in the ovaries that starts destroying and then fibroblasts as scar tissue get laid down and replace what used to be our ovulating cells Okay, process can start, you know, for women with premature ovarian failure, that, that process can start in their twenties, you know, wow. like, that's 1% of the population. I don't want to sure. scare them. Yeah. Uh, That's very small, but if that's happening to you, you need to see a specialist right away because you're super high risk for other diseases, you know, besides infertility and all the other stuff you're going to have to deal with. You're super high risk for osteoporosis, heart disease, stroke, (laughs) okay, Um, because you lost your estrogen sooner. And so, you know, when this process of, you know, the ovaries stop, you know, the the hypothalamus pituitary, right. The FSH and LH, Mm -hmm. you talk to the ovaries and say, give me an egg. Okay. Yeah amount of fsh to get the egg and then the next month it's like the egg didn't come right and yeah. so then the ovary and pituitary are like whoa where's the egg we need to make more of our our stimulating hormones so it gives you a bigger burst and then the ovaries are like you know and yeah. so that's when we see the cyst kind of come you know okay dysfunction.
0: okay so you can be having still very regular periods but be having these things mm-hmm. happening okay Another question for my friend Katie. <laughs> so she's like all on board with this lifestyle. She wants to commit to it. She wants to do it. She's done similar things in the past. However, she is a baker. Like it is her profession. She owns this amazing cookie company and she develops her own recipes. And part of her job is needing to try the things and make sure that they are good and they they're are okay. okay. Yeah. And she's like, how do I balance living this kind of lifestyle, but also being a baker, like, how do I so, make that part of it so, and um,
1: recover? And one of the tenants of Galveston diet, and it's one of the recommendations that came out of the World Health Organization and the American Heart Association, is watching your added sugars. So if she's just tasting, you know, she's yeah. got to track and like track yeah. a normal two or three week time period and just make sure she's staying within reason. Mm-hmm. But we, as women should be limiting added sugars. I'm not talking about fruits and vegetables. And if she's yeah. making baking from scratch, she's avoiding a lot of the inflammatory ingredients that sure. go into store-bought baked goods. Sure. Okay. Things that increase the shelf life and the artificial colors and flavors. She's, yeah. she's stuff out of the kitchen, which is way healthier Yeah. Um, overall. And they say that on average, we should be having no more than 25 grams of added sugars per day. That is okay. sugars added in cooking and processing, not naturally found in the food.
0: Sure. Okay, so it's not going to if she's just because she was also like, what if you want to have that piece of cake at a birthday Absolutely. party or it's you know a
1: birthday have a piece of one meal one snack isn't going to derail your progress. These are patterns of behavior. Sure. You know this is a lifestyle change. Yeah. So having. You know, and so if you can keep your added sugars, which and you get to pick and choose what you spend those on. So if it's a piece of sure. cake or a soda or whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you yeah. happy feels that need, then fine. That's that's it. But you know, you have a budget. Some days you go over your budget, yeah. some days you go under, but 25 grams or less should be the goal.
0: Okay. And she was saying like, if she does do that, is there something to help her body then recover more quickly and get back on track? Or is it just kind of like, well, you're going to have your splurge every once in a while. And then well,
1: you're going to have your splurge every once in a while. And, you know, people who are on doing the Galveston lifestyle, you know, who do have those days. We all have those days. I have sure. those days. Yeah. You know, feel so bad for <laughs> three or three days. Yeah. After, yeah. They were like, like was like it worth hangover. it? They're like, <laughs> yeah. okay,
0: never again. Yeah. I learned I'm good. Lessons. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh, well, I could ask you probably a thousand more questions. So I <laughs> hope that we can have you back on the show maybe in a couple of months to. as we've been doing this. I might even have Katie on with us, but to wrap things up, I just have some questions that I would love to ask you that I ask any <laughs> of my new d- new guests. So what does a typical day look like for you?
1: Oh, okay. So on a day when I go into the clinic, you know, which my family calls work, they don't really consider everything else. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hold on. The day so goes to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I get up and I um uh, have my coffee. That's literally I crawl out to the Keurig and I, yeah. you know, take my grounds and my little reusable thing and I make my coffee. I go back to bed and I get out my journal and I open up my meditation app and I spend about 15 minutes doing my gratitude and meditation.
0: Okay.
1: okay. Then I um get up, take shower, get dressed and start heading to the office. I get to the office and I'm reviewing patient charts. And, um, I also had packed my lunch the night before okay. so my habits is to, if I know I'm leaving the house for lunch, then I am going to pack up and it's usually whatever I had for dinner or some sure. variation of that the night before. So, you know, I see my morning patients lunchtime. We take a break, you know, I have my lunch. So I break my fast at lunch. Okay. Um, that's my, my schedule. This is what works for me. And then I will, um, start, you know, get through my afternoon patients, make callbacks, you know, do whatever I have to do. When I get home, I will figure out what I'm doing for dinner. So I'm a new empty nester. So this is all. Okay. Yeah. I had to be a lot more organized and scheduled, but now I'm kind of like, oh. Yeah, I've got it. Up the fridge and yeah, see what it. I'm cooking for one or two right now. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, my kids are gone, they're in college. And I okay. am um, just me and my yeah. husband works overseas a lot. So, oh, okay. Um, so then I'm like, okay, I'll throw on my workout clothes and I'll go downstairs. I have a little gym in my garage. Nice. Um, and I'll do my little workout. And I'll, you know, if I'm walking on the treadmill, quite often one of my workouts is just to walk on the treadmill at an incline. Okay. Um, not a runner anymore. Not much. I, you know, bit hips and joint pain just got the better of me. Yeah. My turmeric combined with some consistent yoga and changing up my workouts has gotten me. Um, my hip pain is so much better. But walking wow. on the incline also gets my butt and legs. Yeah. And, so that is yeah. actually a resistance training for me. Sure. As well. All okay. right. Um, then I'll go upstairs and I will um uh, get my dinner. And, you know, so dinner for me would typically be some kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not plant-based, so I'll have some kind of a chicken or shrimp or, you know, some kind of a meat. I'm a big Instapot fan, yeah, huge air fryer fan. And so if they can be made in the air fryer, I'm doing it. Nice. (laughs) Um, I'll toss up a big salad, you know, have some meat or whatever. And then, um, then I'll pack it up for lunch the next day. Okay. Um, maybe, and then I'll do some social media stuff. You know, I have big followings on TikTok and stuff. So I keep up with all that. Um, days that I don't go to the office, I have an exercise class that I do. It's a little community about 30 women where it just is my, my girl time. Yeah. Fun. It's like dancing and then we do weights and you know, it's like a kind of a hit kind of fun thing. Nice. And it's just it's just awesome. And then I'll come home and do a podcast like today. Yeah. Um, have some meetings with my editors, you know, just kind of get the day going. All right. And, um, yeah, that's a typical day for me. So I typically, yeah, I eat, um, I break my fast at noon. I have a dinner. So I have two kind of my bigger meals, but mm-hmm. I am literally constantly snacking through there. Right. Yeah. So right. nuts, Seeds. Those are my big, you know, some fruit, um, yeah. are my, my go-to's. After I break my fast, though, routinely, I will mix up, I'm holding it up. We're not, you and I are yeah. on video. Yeah. I have about a 30 ounce tumbler and I will mix up my collagen and my protein. Okay. My collagen protein and my um fiber mix together. Okay, Sip on that while I take my supplements through the afternoon.
0: Okay. And you, cause that was another thing, cause both my friend Katie and I, we've always tried to like take our supplements earlier in the morning, but I always have to have something in. I'll get nauseated. Yeah. Yeah. So you just take it later in the afternoon, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can't. So for me, what works best for me is I take my supplements after I break my fast and I'm, you know, I'm a fasting purist. I try to have no calories during my fast. Mm -hmm. And so then my collagen and fiber have, you know, calories. So I just do them in the afternoon. It works out great for me.
0: And did you say in your book, you have a fiber supplement that you developed? Okay. Yeah.
1: So I'm really picky. (laughs) So I made my own. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I, um, but you know, what I want to say about supplements is they are not meant to take the place of good nutrition. Yeah. Supplements are meant to supplement good nutrition. A lot sure. of people get into this mindset of like, oh, I can negate a poor choice or a bad day with swallowing a handful of supplements. That is a fallacy. Yeah. So, um, and you can't so- live off of supplements. Supplement, yeah. That's- and good nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, And for me, I do collagen. I do fiber. Um, I do a magnesium to help me sleep. And then I have, and diet has an omega-3 and vitamin D combo that works really well for me. And I do turmeric for my hip as well.
0: Okay. That's yeah, that's great to hear. And if there is one way that you can live well anyway by just adding like some little thing into your life, what is that thing that just helps you to have a little bit of pleasure in your day?
1: Um, for you know, if if the only takeaway that your followers get today is do yourself a favor and track your nutrition for a couple of weeks, Mm. get free nutrition tracker. My favorite is Chronometer. You know, okay, and. And see how much magnesium you're getting. See how much fiber you're getting. See how much omega-3. See what your vitamin D intake is. And use that as a benchmark for nutrition. Yeah. Not, not calories. Yeah. And you will probably see that you get a lot healthier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. By just paying attention to those things. We talk about tracking things all the time, because if you're not paying attention to what's happening in your body and how you you're feeling, really like
1: you have to track for the rest of your life, yeah. you're kind of starting from ground zero. If you yeah. not in a healthy place. I always recommend pay attention to what you're eating. Write it down, track it, whatever you know. And then and then let's talk about it. You know, yeah, and yeah. Ways that we can help you be healthier.
0: I love that. Okay, these are my stock questions. So, candles or essential oil diffuser?
1: Oh man. <laughs> oh, okay. So I was a candle girl forever until I saw what it did to my AC vents. You know the yeah, yeah. filters. Black. Yeah, I burned a lot of candles. So I switched to one of those Puras. So now I'm a Pure girl. Okay. Uh,
0: cloth napkins or paper?
1: Oh, Unfortunately, I use paper more, but I do like cloth. I, yes. yeah, I hear you. Um, city or country. Oh, both. Oh, okay. I like I like you know, I like mountains, okay. okay. but you know, for certain vacations, I prefer city because I like museums and walking and seeing yep. sites and learning history. Yeah and I but then I love hiking in the mountains. Like mountains is my church. Yeah. And that's where I feel closer to whatever power of God, you know, for yeah. me, it's put me here. And so, um, so a little of both. Okay. Paper or digital? I'm digital now.
0: Yeah. It's hard to not be in today's day and age, especially mm-hmm. when you're busy and you've got a lot going on. So I hear you. Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store?
1: It depends on what it is. Okay. So because I'm in a small town that doesn't have a big mall, yeah. uh, I do a lot, 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 lot of online shopping, but God, I'd prefer to try it on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially because with clothes. It's so hard. I like to sell it, see it, smell it, touch it, feel it, squeeze the oranges, you know. Yeah. The grocery store, I'm doing in person. Okay.
0: Um, it's whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music?
1: Music, always, always.
0: Okay. And what kind of music would you turn to?
1: Um, like 80s disco. Okay. Yeah. That's my, like, Embrace it. it. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> nice. That's Top- my, that's my hype songs are yeah. like, uh, that popular t- tunes, you know? Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, I think I'm going to know the answer to this question, but chocolate, milk or dark?
1: I like milk, but dark's better for you. Yes. <laughs> so I yes. can get, if I can get it, got a 60% cacao, then yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sports or no sports? Um. I've redefined what sports is to me. Um, okay. I try to move my body every day. I yeah. don't call it sport. I just yeah. call it. Movement. Healthy. Yeah. I, I stopped making movement about being skinny and making it about being strong and it's yeah. just a whole life.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. Okay. I think I know the answer to this one too, but live broadcasting, would you rather broadcast or watch?
1: Oh, broadcast. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like i think i think she would like to do it <laughs>
1: what is your favorite movie the lion in winter who is in that katherine Hepburn. oh and, um peter o'toole absolutely okay. it's about it it's really old it's based on an old english um king henry the fifth or fourth and uh oh my gosh it's so good some of the best acting i've ever seen i like I have to
0: check it out yes
1: yeah like really good. Okay. I'm going to check it out. I've heard of it. I've just
0: never seen it. Okay. Final question. If you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, where are you on the spectrum? Four. Okay. It's very respectable. Four. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, but also sharing all of your knowledge with us in this amazing book. I'm so excited about it. And yeah, it's I think it's gonna change a lot of women's lives.
1: So. so all right. Thank that's... you for having me and I yeah. can't wait
0: that. Yes, that'll be great. Okay, bye. All right, ladies, I hope you found this episode as valuable as I did and as valuable as Katie did because we are so excited to really be trying to embrace this lifestyle, get our systems all figured out and help us to tame those symptoms so that we can feel like normal people and not be suffering. So if you want to join us again, you can find all the links for today's episode, in the show notes that you can find by just swiping up in whatever app you are listening to the podcast on, or going to mckenziekappa.com and clicking on podcast. In all of those show notes, we have the links to the book, we have the links to the Facebook group where we will be hosting this diet together, and we also have links to the newsletter so that you can stay on top of all of the things that are happening. You can also go to mckenziekappa.com/news where you can sign up for the newsletter directly and make sure it's ending up in your inbox and you're on top of all of the good things that we've got going on this late winter and spring all right thank you so much for listening i so appreciate each and every one of you and thank you for those of you who are leaving reviews in spotify and itunes it makes a big difference for the show when you leave those reviews and when you tell your friends helps to spread the word get things moving and help us to stay on the air so thank you so much for those of you who have done that or are about to All right, until next week, ladies, go be bold and gracious.